0: This is a Triple J podcast. (laughs) Hack. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. Welcome to the Hack podcast. For so many of you, New Year's just does not feel like New Year's without Falls Festival. It's one of those big events in the music calendar that's dominated different parts of the country over the years, but not this year. Falls is cancelled, for now at least. Organisers are trying to figure out what it's going to look like in the future, so what does this mean for the festival sector as a whole? Like, could we be seeing more cancellations in the months ahead, like we saw during the COVID years? Did you expect this? Also coming up, a bunch of drag story times have been cancelled recently over safety concerns. You might have heard about this in the headlines. What is going on there? We're going to speak with someone in the community and break it down for you. First, though. Hi.
1: It can't get much worse than what PwC have done.
0: On Triple Jack. Yeah, there's a massive scandal right now that's shocked the business community in Australia. There are actually calls for this to be one of the first things that Australia's new anti-corruption body looks at when it starts up in July. This scandal involves a consulting firm, PwC. You might have heard of them. PwC's being accused of basically giving confidential government information to its clients, big businesses, so they could figure out ways around anti-tax avoidance laws. It's a massive, massive scandal. There are now calls for a criminal investigation, for PwC to be banned from government contracts. So what is going on here and why should you care about it? I think we need a bit of explaining. (laughs) Daniel Ziffer is a reporter with ABC's The Business and he's with us now. G'day, Dan. Thanks for coming on Hack. Lovely to be here. I really need you to break this down for (laughs) us, Dan. I think we all do. (laughs) Firstly, what is PwC? PwC.
2: So, PwC is what's called a consulting firm. There are a few others, KPMG, Ernst & Young and Deloitte. They're called the Big Four. Now, up until about 20 years ago, they were pretty profitable with boring businesses. that did two things. They did audits, so they would look at the books of companies and government agencies and make sure it all balanced up and they do management consulting. So when a company had a specific problem, like uh, they need to build a new factory or they need to relocate an office with 5,000 people, they'd hire an expert who knew exactly how to do it. What's happened in the past couple of decades is that these firms have expanded massively. PwC has more than 10,000 employees just in Australia, and they went on an acquisition spree. They bought up law firms. Uh, public relations agencies, all these kind of weird and specific things so that now they essentially have this real breadth, this kind of tentacles across the economy and across government. And another thing happened at the same time that made it really important. They started to do a lot of the core work for the public service. So almost a quarter of the public service now isn't employed by the government. They're in labour firms and consultants like this. So we're spending a lot of money with these companies and this scandal has raised a lot of questions about what that money is being used for.
0: That's so interesting and gives you an idea of the scale of all this and just how prominent these consulting firms are. Dan, can you in very simple terms explain what has happened here? What is the scandal?
2: This is a really simple scam so we're talking now about peter john collins he was a tax expert for pwc and the reason we can talk about this is he's been banned by the tax practitioners board for from working in the field of tax for two years and here's why about 10 years ago there was a huge problem with multinational companies shifting their profits around so companies are taxed reasonably high in Australia and much less in countries like Ireland, Singapore and the Netherlands. So what some of these big companies were doing was making the profits by selling stuff here in Australia, but shifting that money to these lower tax countries. So the government, Joe Hockey was the treasurer at the time, had a real problem with this, as did so did like similar democracies around the world. So he got in some experts to help them shape laws to stop multinationals moving their profits around. And Peter John Collins was one of those experts. But he used his knowledge of where the government was likely to go to help shape a scheme that would help those very companies avoid paying that tax. So when Treasury came out with this uh, new plan to tax multinational companies, PwC had already marketed a plan to big tech companies like Apple and Microsoft and Google so that they could avoid the, (laughs) the taxes that Peter John Collins had helped the government to shape. So on one hand, he's advising the government, and on the other hand, the company was advising the clients that were going to be subject to this tax. So a really simple misuse of confidential government information.
0: That is wild. So basically we're saying these companies were able to figure out ways to dodge the rules with this confidential information they had access to. Do we know which companies are caught up in this? Like You mentioned a few there before, but is there more information on who exactly had access to this information? We're
2: looking at 14 companies and we do not yet know who they are. We're going to assume that they're going to be large multinational companies that have this issue where they move profits around. We don't yet know that information. And the one thing we don't know as well is whether they were aware of how the information had been gotten about. So I'm not gonna say they're completely innocent parties because they certainly spend a lot of their money shifting things around and paying consultants like PwC so that they pay less tax here in Australia, but they may not have been aware of the confidential way in which the information was got. The One of the reasons this scandal came out was that Treasury was shocked by the speed at which these companies were able to get around laws they'd only just written.
0: Yeah, I mean, now it all seems to make a bit more sense. You're listening to Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with ABC business reporter Dan Ziffer about this PwC tax scandal that you'll be seeing in the headlines. It's a huge scandal. Dan, what's the government saying about all this?
2: I think the best summation from Treasurer Jim Chalmers is ropeable. Uh, They are obviously incredibly unhappy, and PwC has made a pretty boneheaded move here because their biggest client is you. So the federal government, the federal taxpayer, is the biggest client of PwC and of most of the consulting firms. We're involved in more than $500 million of contracts with them just in the past two years. So the government is very unhappy, there are more questions being asked and there's currently a Senate inquiry into potential conflicts of interest with these consulting firms, which is how some of this information has come out and you can expect more with more hearings
0: next week. So is there any idea of what will happen next? Well, already
2: the CEO of PwC has step down. Uh, They've brought in the global heavy hitters to try and mop up the mess because they're worried about contagion. They're worried about their global reputation and other governments around the world asking the same questions. Hold on, if these guys are advising us on tax and at the same time they've also got other clients that they advise on tax, uh, are they sharing some of that information from one to the other? So this has become a global scandal with huge interest overseas because these firms have their tentacles deep into business and government around
0: the world. Oh, it's fascinating, fascinating stuff. And I feel like I have a much better understanding of what's happened here. I'm sure a lot of listeners are going to be very grateful to you as well for breaking all of that down. Dan Ziffer from ABC's The Business, thanks for coming on Hack. Always
2: great to
3: chat. Hack
0: on Triple J. And a lot of messages coming through on this one. Someone says, absolutely sickening. Another person says, will these companies have to pay back the tax that they should have paid, like the other companies? And someone else, throw the book at PwC. Absolutely disgusting. All right, let's move on.
4: This is like a festival that so many people are looking forward to.
0: On Triple J. You know, COVID got us pretty used to cancellations, especially for music events. Remember, our favourite festivals were being postponed or axed all the time. It was a real dark patch for the music industry and the event industry. And maybe you thought all of that was behind us. But the news came out today that Falls Festival has cancelled this year's event. Organisers are saying they want to rest, recover, recalibrate. They need to have a break, figure out what the festival is going to look like in the future. Look, there's no doubt that so many New Year's plans are now up in the air. We're hearing from people on the text line already. Someone says, Me and my friends went to Falls Festival for the first time last year, had planned that we were going to go again this year. We're absolutely devastated to wake up to this news that it's been cancelled. We were all crying in the group chat. Yeah, I want to know what do you think of this news from Falls Festival? Do you think we're going to see more of this? Message in 0439757555, another person. No, Falls is a sign of the times. With the price of insurance going through the roof, it's not going to be the last festival to disappear either. Well, look, we did ask the organisers of Falls to come on Hack. They weren't available. We do have a festival organiser with us, though, Jesse Higgs from Party in the Paddock in Tasmania. Hey, Jesse, thanks for coming on Hack. Hey, Dave, no worries, mate. What's your reaction to this news about Falls?
3: Look, it's a really tough time for festivals right now. And we, we're super sympathetic, mate. You know, Falls has been an institution to our Australian music scene for like many years. So it's it's really sad to see a lot of festivals struggling right now. I think people don't really understand how hard it is to bring over some of these huge international acts when Australia is really isolated. You know, we're a long way away from the rest of the the world really over here and it costs big dollars to get some of these acts here. And I think you know the pandemic is is kind of catching up to us right now. Um, it's taken a couple of years, but yeah, we're here.
0: Well, that's the thing. I think a lot of people uh, probably imagine all of the bad days to be over because you know restrictions have lifted and people are moving on with their lives. But it sounds like in many ways, some of these big events are still stuck. Really, do you think Falls is going to be back, or that's going to be it?
3: Yeah, I hope so. I hope Falls is back. You know, it's um. We need a strong ecosystem here in the music industry you know we need these bigger festivals bringing in these bigger acts and it helps the middle tier festivals also get some bigger acts as well you know we link up sometimes depending on who's booking who and it is an ecosystem like i said before and it's really important that yeah australia doesn't go too far under so i hope we can Pull back and get plenty of support from the punters to to get around some of these great festivals. Because you've kind of been through this
0: in that you decided back in 2020 to end party in the paddock, but then you brought it back this year.
3: What changed? Yeah, we're really lucky, mate. We um, it was a bit of synchronicity using that word, um, but we actually ended before COVID happened, literally weeks before. So we're able to have a natural end. Which I think was really important. we got that very fairy, fairy tale finish you could say and it was really lucky for the brand and we took a couple of years off and and actually managed to stay active as a company and we did a few events we were lucky in Tasmania. Tasmania is one of the only places where events could still happen in Australia so we really um, yeah kept moving and we were able to adapt and and I think that was the most important part we didn't lose any staff we actually gained staff and then when everything come back into the swing of things it just felt right to bring paddock back especially when falls announced that they weren't going to do tassie we thought hey we better step up here because the community needs us you know everybody needs a music festival it's you know especially a camping music festival because it's such an immersive experience people need that art and culture
0: I was going to ask about that. Like, what kind of impact did it have on Tassie when Falls pulled out? There was was it huge? Could you could you feel that like in the in the industry?
3: Totally, yeah. There was a lot of people reaching out to us, especially saying, "Bring paddock back." And I think, to be honest, it was a big part of our motivation in bringing paddock back. We could see the hole that was left. There was a great void there, and um, yeah, that's that's our intention, and that's pretty much why. We've expanded paddock as well and we've made it accessible to more people. And, you know, we definitely thought about those New Year's Eve dates, but it didn't suit our brand, but I will give a little Easter egg away. We are looking at something in Tasmania for that holiday period. I won't say it's going to be over New Year's Eve because it's not going to be at this point in time, but it will be close to that date. So hopefully we can continue to look after that community down there and, and also pull people into Tasmania because. You know, our state needs it. Tourism's important. And some of these acts really do spice things up down there. It's important for our culture. Okay,
0: a bit of an exclusive there. People in Tassie, all over the country, probably excited to hear that. I don't know, Jesse, there's probably a lot of people listening now who are just thinking, are we just going to be seeing more of this? Are we just going to be seeing cancellation after cancellation? Is that it for festivals? Is that whole um, genre of entertainment over? Like, how do you see the future for big festivals in Australia? I'm not talking about like the day yeah. ones, but the multi day ones.
3: Mate, to be honest, I actually think we're in a little bit of a recession for music festivals and, you know, I'm just calling it as it appears to be. I think a lot of people are thinking that, but it is because of the hardship that a lot of these big companies and promoters and bookers and festival organisers went through. You know, you take hits like Bluesfest did and for them to be able to bounce back after so many cancellations and date moves is is an amazing testimony. It takes such courage, you know, like I said before, it's pretty much professional gambling. This industry, and people are taking so much risk, and they're doing it so everyone. Obviously, they're going to make money, but I can say, you know, from my heart of hearts, I believe a lot of people are in this industry because they love it. They love music. That's why we do this, you know. So at the end of the day, we're music festival lovers and music lovers as well. I think it's just going to take community support, and I feel like you know, with Triple J and different institutions like that, really jumping on board and and showing that support, it's super important, you know. We're all in this together. I think we can get it back on track, hopefully sooner rather than later.
0: All right, Jesse Higgs from Party in the Paddock, thanks for coming on Hack, appreciate your time. Cheers, Dave. Yeah, and we've got a lot of messages coming through, people, you know, upset, lots of no's, what? On the text line, also on Instagram as well, someone saying, this is believably unbelievable. Uh, People really upset. Another person says, there are too many festivals these days. Bring back the smaller, intimate gigs. So I don't have to buy a festival ticket to see one person I want to see. Another person, given Falls, hasn't had a normal event since 2018 with bushfires, COVID cancellations. It's a shame they're not going ahead this year. I was looking forward to it. We've got someone on the phone line now. Hannah from the Gold Coast is with us. Hannah, your dad works in the festival industry, right? What do you think about this news?
4: Yeah, so he's um, a roadie and he's been doing that for thirty odd years. Um, and my first thought when it got announced was just all the road crew um, and all the like the support staff that won't have um, work because it's not just the one day, it's you know, weeks before and afterwards the load in and load outs that there's like essential income for all the road crew that they just won't
0: have. Yeah, Hannah, um, you know, we're hearing a lot of that as well. People thinking about the broader impacts of having festivals on smaller communities, rural communities. I uh, definitely appreciate you uh, phoning in with your, um, your thoughts there. We've actually got another festival organiser with us now. Phil Palermo is the co-founder of Untitled, which puts on Beyond the Valley in Victoria over the New Year's period, but also Wildlands in Brizzy, Perth and Adelaide. Hey, Phil, thanks for coming on. No worries, Dave. Good to be here. We just heard from Jesse from Party in the Paddock, and he said that he thinks the festival sector in Australia is going through a bit of a recession at the moment. Like there are just tough times. Do you
5: agree with that? Like, did you expect this announcement from Falls? I think it does take a bit to cut through at the moment. We are experiencing a bit of a downturn with market confidence and just general consumer behavior. I think. You know, it is really unfortunate to hear of any music festival not going ahead, especially considering the current climate. But, um, yeah, we were made aware of this just through recent conversations with Jess and Paul as we, you know, we have a a relationship with them, um, which extends even outside of the New Year's Eve period.
0: I mean, a festival like Beyond the Valley or... Um, like Wildlands also held over New Year's. At first glance, people probably think, oh, this is great for you guys because
5: it's less competition. Is it that simple? No, it's definitely not that simple. It has an effect on ticket sales overall. I think the ecosystem thrives on not just collaboration, but other festivals in the market succeeding. And it's important that Australia continues to grow in the Uh, Music festivals in Australia continue to grow in the entertainment sector for us to continue to get headliners um, that all the festivals need to sell tickets to Australia, which is an ongoing challenge in itself. Well, we
0: are seeing this big shift in the way people are buying tickets and we've covered this on Hack this year, um, whether it's boutique festivals or the bigger festivals like Splendour. There's just different buying habits, uh, people maybe not buying as many um, straight away. Also, there's the cost of living. Uh, there's so many other issues that are at play here. Do you think there's also a move away from
5: multi-day festivals generally? Uh, no. I think, especially in Victoria, this is consistently growing. We're finding an overwhelming demand to our two key annual multi-day camping festivals, Beyond the Valley and Pitch. There is a big appetite for these festivals, especially the camping ones, because of the, you know, they are hosted on beautiful locations. I think there still is a big appetite for that format here.
0: Do you think though that the ticket prices are just too much for a lot of people at this point. It's just a um a matter of so many young Australians being stretched at the moment and not having the capacity, even if they want to.
5: Mm. I think, yeah, inflation is making it increasingly hard for music festivals to keep up with the growing budgets at the moment, the costs across the board, not just with artists and the cost for artists to come here, but also technical production, event operations, all of these departments are more expensive now. So, you're kind of stuck in this, you know, tightrope where you're considering the thirty to forty percent increase in inflation across the board, the downturn in sales, and the price sensitivity.
0: Well, I can tell you, Phil, on the text line, people are saying don't increase this, the ticket prices. That's going to be the, that's going to be the sentiment from people from listeners. Anyway, I don't know. Do you expect more festival cancellations in the months ahead?
5: Is this something that the industry is getting ready for? I don't think. There will be further cancellations. I think the market is about 12 months off of taking a turn in the right direction where more festivals will be coming into the market as well as current festivals, uh, you know, continuing to go from strength to strength. But, yeah, I'm sure people don't want prices to go up. Promoters like myself, we generally don't want to increase the ticket prices for our festivals. It's quite a daunting process setting the ticket price as something that you're un- you know you're uncertain on whether people will pay that amount of money because once you go on sale that's it you know I I I agree with those who don't want the tickets to go up in price. Don't you worry
0: about that. Hey Phil when we were speaking to Jesse just before from Party in the Paddock he gave us a bit of an Easter egg he said oh you can expect something in Tassie later this year. Something's going to be announced can you tell us anything in terms of Beyond the Valley, in terms of
5: Wildlands? Uh, Look, I can't go into detail around, um, you know, (laughs) dates and whatnot for Wildlands and Beyond the Valley, but we are lucky to have our core New Year's Eve festivals in such a great position to return this year. Um, And there will be a high level of effort and consideration into our production, bespoke stage designs, and unique artist programming for both festival properties. Phil Palermo from
0: Untitled, thanks very much for coming on Hack. Thank you very much for having me. And we do have a lot of people on the text line talking about ticket prices, saying, look, I can't afford it. They're just getting a bit too expensive for me. Someone says, I'd be happy to pay less for tickets if they had no insurance. That was from Beck in Brisbane. Another person said, yeah, what do you buy? A used car or a day at a festival? Lots of opinions. We're going to stay on that one. Hack.
3: How come you've got a dress
0: on?
2: Because we like it and we like sparkle.
0: On Triple Jack. Is there anything better as a kid than getting comfy on the floor for story time? Hearing a good book being read out loud. To be honest, sometimes I still ask my friends to do this to me. Read me a story. Well, some of these council-run community events have actually been copping a fair bit lately. You would have been seeing this in the news. Drag story time, where drag queens and kings read to kids, A few of these events have had to be cancelled recently because of safety concerns linked to far-right extremism. It isn't just a problem in Australia, though, but it is a big issue, especially today, because today's International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia and Transphobia. Kimberly Price brings us up to speed. Thank you
4: so much for standing up for your rights, protecting each other. Many of you probably don't remember your parents taking you down to the local library for storytime. It's been around for decades and includes storytelling in different languages and different cultural settings, and drag queen storytime is just one part of it. Now, drag queen storytime is very different to the drag shows you see in the clubs on Thursdays. What
0: you see
2: in a nightclub isn't what you get reading a story. Like any comedian or any artist that has... Uh, a job in the evening
4: it not what they will do when they when they're with children. But something has been happening.
2: Backstory time: Events and all ages drag gigs have been getting cancelled left, right, and centre here in Nam um, because of violent threats being called into them.
4: At least ten LGBTQIA plus events across Victoria have been cancelled or postponed over the past six months due to fear of safety from far right extremists. <laughs> In April, protesters stormed into a Monash City Council meeting and called councillors pedophiles to try and stop drag queen storytime from happening. But the threat to storytime isn't new and isn't just happening here.
1: We love you, Queen. We love, love you, queens. In your corner and we've got you and I will f*** anybody up who's like trying to f*** with anything with you guys.
4: Okay, so why doesn't Charlize Theron come and f***
0: me up? Because... I'm 100% against her on this. These bills here in the United States are not trying to say adults could not go into a bar and watch a drag queen show if we wanted to. They are
1: trying to say these performers are not appropriate for young children.
4: Recently, there's been a string of bills in the U.S. making laws that target the drag community. The U.S. state of Tennessee passed legislation banning male or female impersonators from performing in public and or in the presence of children. Pop stars like Lizzo have ignored calls to cancel shows in the southern state and say it's important to continue. In light of recent and tragic events and current events, I was told by people on the internet, cancel your shows in Tennessee, don't go to Tennessee. But why would I not come
2: to the people who need to hear this message the most? Why would I not create a safe space in Tennessee where we can celebrate?
4: Back home, Victorian councils are holding an emergency meeting on Thursday to see if the Storytime and other LGBTQIA plus events can carry on. There are currently no laws in Victoria protecting LGBTQIA plus people from vilification. So the Greens Party have introduced a bill to the state parliament to try and get new protections in place. It would need the support of the Vic Labor government, who has already said they want to change anti-vilification laws. But this could take a while. In the meantime, the drag community is hoping safety measures can be met to ensure story time continues for all families.
2: We live in a very diverse society in Australia in 2023, and that means that out of the hundreds of story times that your local government puts on in a year, and there are literally hundreds, one of those might be dedicated to a rainbow story time.
0: Hack on Triple J. Kimberly Price with that update. We've got messages coming through. Someone says, one has been cancelled near me. Ridiculous considering how harmless a story is. Another person, Erica from Coolin Nation, says, I'm exhausted fighting for mine and loved ones' lives. Yeah, safety concerns around drag story time events. Today, a group of drag artists have moved their story time online, and one of the drag performers involved in this is drag king freddie and they're with me now drag king freddie welcome to hack
1: hello dave thank you for having me this is amazing
0: how are you feeling at the moment i mean when we talk about like the safety concerns and some of the serious issues around here and the cancellations how yeah. are you feeling personally with all this
1: okay well Firstly, right at this minute, I'm feeling complete joy, love and support because I've just come off our um, online event that we've just run this evening for Drag Story Time, and I have to say we had... I think about 200 plus households all tuning in to listen to drag story time in a really safe environment online so we couldn't be shut down so you know right at this minute I'm feeling absolute love respect joy and and such support from so many people um, having said that you know like over the last couple of days with everything that's been going on and really over the last couple of months, there's been moments, I'm not gonna lie, where I've really felt the hate is really, really hard to take. And and you know, you really, you really find it hard to listen to, to be honest.
0: We we don't have a lot of time left drag, King Freddie, but what kind of action do you think we need to be seeing to address some of these concerns?
1: Look, I think we really need to just be keeping on sending that message out there to people that this This drag story time, which is being targeted, it really is about at the end of the day, letting people know that it's okay to be yourself. And that's the really strong message that we want to send out is that any of these young people coming up in in their lives, that it's okay to be you. We accept you. We love you for who you are. And the haters are really fighting against that and sending out the opposite message saying it's not okay to be different and to be standing out in the crowd, which is certainly not how our community operates. Well, hey, so yeah, there's a lot of message.
0: there's a lot of support on the text line, Drag King Freddie, Thank you very much for coming on Hack. Appreciate your time.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Dave.
0: And that's all we've got time for on the Hack podcast for now. I'll catch you next time. Hack on Triple Jack.